Welcome to Drinking During Business Hours, where we have interesting conversations over a great bottle of wine. I'm Sarah J. Halstead, your host. Support the show by subscribing, following, and liking our episodes. Check out my website, Sarah J. Halstead, for the latest stand updates and all my social media links. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Drinking During Business Hours. Guess what? You're never going to believe this, but it's a sunny day here in Los Angeles, not a cloud in the sky. And guess where we are? We're in a dark basement <laughs> with no windows. I always say no windows in a dark basement. I don't think windows are in a basement, but you get the drift. And there is no place I'd rather be. You know, I talk a lot about why I revamped this podcast. And one of the perks is getting uh, uh, caught up with friends, existing friends, acquaintances, work colleagues, all of that good stuff. But today, I have someone that I have never met in person, and I'm really, really excited to get to know her better. I have Ellery Smith on the program, and Ellery is a writer. She wrote for Robot Chicken, winners of six primetime Emmys, 11 11 wins in total, and 36 nominations. She's also a very, very funny stand-up comic, and I, we have a great rapport on social media. <laughs> We've known each other for a few years on the socials. And for the first time, I'm going to talk to Ellery Smith. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. You know so much about the show. I'm a fan of the show. Oh, really? That's how I found you. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, not that I never hear that, but what I hear most often is, is that still on? <laughs> well, it sort of is. No, it absolutely it, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just celebrated like two. Our two hundredth episode was last year. Oh, okay. Which was fun. Yes, yeah, it's, it's an institution. Which it's is an institution. Why I, like every, I think everyone kind of knows it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's sort of a, you know, part of the era, part of the era. Yeah. Definitely. And are you still uh, writing for the show? Yeah. So how it works is it's um, obviously it takes a long time to animate because it's uh, stop yeah. motion. So we'll be on. I'll be on a cycle and then like a year will pass and then I'll be on another cycle. So it's sort of like, you know, you're employed from eight to 12 weeks and then you have to look for another job. So I still do day jobs and stuff. OK. Trying to get staffed again for anybody listening. But <laughs> I would imagine it really helps to have that yes. in your back pocket. Definitely. Definitely. And it's... um. Such good practice. And they're also, it's a really good environment. And I don't think, I think I didn't know this when I first began that not every room is like that, but it's like very familial and like warm. You know, I think I find that when you do something for a while and you work with the same people and the same environment, it just inevitably creates structure yeah. in your life. Mm -hmm. And you grow, you grow attached to that structure. And, you know, when, when something's ejected uh, from my life that I've been doing for a while, it just really is unsettling for a minute. It takes me a while Definitely. to like, oh, you know, um, and it's, that's what my day job. I'm in wine. That's what oh, I do really? during the yeah, day. And, and it gets me up in the morning. You know, if I were just a stand-up comic actor, I would, I don't know what my life would be no, like. No, I totally agree. I also, <laughs> I think it's so important to have other stuff, mm -hmm. something to show up for that's yeah. not, because like, I mean, acting, writing, you know, stand-up, all of it will really take it out of you. And it is, um, it is not a stable environment, you know? Like, it really even isn't. Even when you're staffed in a room, it's like you might be working for like three months and then off for six months. So there really is no chance to be you know, create that stability, which is why I think it's so important to have other things in your life that you can always uh, yes. go back to and like. So you don't exude that desperate yes, exactly. energy and just that, that, 
that uncertainty in your sense that dis-ease yeah in your I think in it your can really sort of like wreck if that's your whole and I would say this for all labor right it's like to to solely define yourself on the amount of work that you can produce is sort of a really unhealthy way to move about life and you have to have other things that sort of like fill out who you are whether it be yeah. like hobbies interests volunteering family like whatever it is you have to find it you have to find and it. you have to have another thing do you think it's more challenging to find when you're a creator um interesting i would say no i think that i creators love to find things and pick them up and put them back down mm. and like hop from thing to thing and i think that's okay and i think that a lot of creators maybe feel very self-conscious about that. They're like, oh, I have no follow through. I can't figure out, you know, I can't stick with anything. And I think it's okay to know that you can have different hobbies and, you know, yeah, pick them yeah. up and put them back down as it suits your life. And especially as a stand-up comic, it's going to make your material more interesting yes. and more relatable. Definitely. Um, I remember the first time I went on the road as a comic and my la my jokes weren't landing because they weren't universal. Mm -hmm. I was talking about being an actor. I was talking about, you That's know, jokes about my agent. LA, and yes. Like the LA, LA audiences, God love you, keep coming out. But mm -hmm. they're all like, you know, in the world, in the lifestyle. And so if you spend three years just doing stand-up in LA and you don't go outside of LA and then you do like a show in Reno or something. You're going to find that you suck. It's going to be very humbling. so rough. So rough. Oh my goodness. All right. So let's go back. Where Where are you from? So I'm from like rural, rural upstate New York, near okay. the Canadian border. Love it. Yeah. I, I get a little accent from you and it's kind of similar to mine. I'm from Michigan. Yes. Exactly. We have a little bit of that bend at the end of our words. Yeah, and I think I do think it is because of sort of the Canadian mm -hmm. proximity. I think so too. And I get along really, really well with Canadians. Oh, and I, I think we just have a similar sensibility of things or I can absolutely work see ethic. That from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I do not think nice. it translates to where I'm from in New York. No, <laughs> no. Oh, 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 really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's very much sort of like don't tread on me space. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, however you feel about that. My politics are not necessarily aligned with that, but um, uh -huh. yeah, very rural, sort of like working class America space. Okay. Okay. Very small town, 1600 people about. Oh, wow. Really small really town. Small, very small. I went to high school about an hour away from there. So yeah, very tiny. So what in the world made you say, oh, I'm going to be a writer? And I mean, where did you go from New York? Yeah. So, well, I had always sort of wanted to be a writer. I was really into comedy growing up. Um, like I loved Comedy Central Half Hours, you know, I loved really niche comedy. I was like obsessed with like the state, like that improv group that had like an MTV show at one point. And yeah, I was just a big fan. And then I worked at Trader Joe's, uh, in high school with my mom, with a woman, Jay McBride, who is a, uh, stand up in New York now. And Jay brought me to my first open mic when I was in high school. And I never stopped in. I did stand up in Albany for about a year and I moved to Boston and did it for about two and a half years there. And then I finished college out here and I've been a stand up out here ever since. And you uh, so the stand up came before the writing. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, like a writer in high school. Right. Like I had always, oh. you know, the mm -hmm. way that many young women do. I wrote all the time and I had won many writing awards in my high school. And when I was a senior, I had taken uh, I had like. I went to this private school that like 
Probably it should be shut down by the state. Like really, yeah, they let me, when I was a sophomore, they let me, I stopped taking science classes. And so my senior year, I didn't have to take a math or a science. And instead I, I wrote a book. I had like a oh. independent project or whatever. And so I wrote a book of like personal essays and like creative nonfiction. That's really ambitious for a high school student. Yeah, it was fun. My best friend also did, did that where she uh, took an independent class and she wrote a book, but she wrote it in French. Which is really funny because it was like she just had to one up me. <laughs> I guess so. Love her. That's to death. even yeah. Even more ambitious. Qu- quadruple. Yeah, ambitious. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. It was a really great opportunity. And then, um, are you still friends with that person? Yes. Yeah, she's one of my best friends. Oh, oh she's still her. to yeah. this day. Yeah, Does she, she went- still one up you? Um, no, we didn't. <laughs> I think she just is smarter than I am. And so I would take it as one upping, but she's just achieving her potential. I, I think it's great, you know, when when women have like long-term friends because yeah. it's that's not always the case it's oh, tough no, to I have many we're different we're a different species from men where yeah, you know have many um I have many long-term friends I think it's very important to to have people that knew you when you were young because I think so too it grounds you to a, a time and a place and mm-hmm, I had a mm-hmm. very hard childhood and I don't remember a lot of it and so having those people in my life is really confirmation of like, you know, what actually happened. It's a validation of my history and like my place in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really enjoy long friendships. I feel that way too. I have what I call my big three, oh. my, th- my three girls. That's so sweet. That, that I lean on. And I feel so, so blessed that I have that. Not yeah. everyone does. And Not everyone does. How long have you been in LA? Five years in August. Okay. I'm going on seven. Oh, wow. Did it take you a minute to find good people here, just a, a network-wise? I was lucky in that um, I finished college out here. Well, I, dro- I ended mm. up dropping out, but I did my la- I started my last semester out here. Okay. And many of the people I went to college with stayed out here. And then I was also very – I think the first year in L.A. is so hard. It's really difficult. But if you can last that first year, it just gets easier. Um, and coming from the stand-up scene in Boston, which was sort of hyper-competitive, Oof. there were not a lot of women in the scene. I heard a lot about it. Yeah. I hear it's really cutthroat. It's very cutthroat. It's tough. I think it's a great place to start. And, like, I bet. Really get your sea legs under you. But it was very a tough place to be as a young you know, woman. And so moving out to L.A., I found the scene to be so collaborative and loving. And I had so many people you know, really like reach out and invite me to places and help me and, you know, and so many women specifically, which was just not something I had in Boston because there just weren't that many of them because this is just a bigger town. You know, there's more people here. Yeah. And so... Got to drive everywhere. Exactly. And I just, (laughs) you know, I do feel like there is specifically like a group of young to not so young women in LA comedy who look out for each other, book each other and are like, there if you need to go to a mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're just starting. I know that's one of my favorite things to do is like if I know a young woman who's like, oh, I'm thinking about trying stand up. I'm like, great. Let's go to an open mic. Oh, really? Yeah. It's I'm like, I really try to do. I'm like, please don't. Please don't do this. <laughs> don't do it to yourself. <laughs> I mean, I explain the, I explain the risks. I think I explain the risks. For sure. Uh, um, unless they're really, you know, I can kind of tell when they're going to do it, when they're ambitious. I can tell when they're going to stick with it, too. Yeah. You can, I, there's something that's funny about stand-up is it's a lot like the gym like there's a mm-hmm. peak in january yeah and if those people last until like september i'm like okay you're yeah gonna, they're you're in it, it for a few years they're in it yeah. they have the bug it's, have the bug. it's when you have the Absolutely. bug that you can't stop it's also a, something i see my um for lack of a better word civilian friends sort of deal with is finding friendship in adulthood like people yeah. they don't work with and i'm like that's i would do comedy forever just for that 
it's like a reason to meet people. It's a thing to be at. It's a place to be around. You know, it's you're constantly meeting new people who share similar interests. I don't know how this is, but we've never been in a lineup together. Which is crazy. Isn't it? Which is crazy because L.A. is not that big. No. But it is funny that like... There are like West Side comics and then there are like oh, East Side yeah, comics yeah. and then there are like comedy store comics. Do right, you know what I mean? And right. like Nary the Twain shall meet very much. Yes, yeah. yeah. There's sort of like different circles that run around. It, it is. And I, I'm I'm looking to to do more, to get into more circles because it just, it can get, you know, um, monotonous uh, for Definitely. lack of a better word. Yeah. Sometimes when it's just like the same people that I love the people, but I wouldn't mind, you know, a change and I'm doing a lot more road work this year as well because we can, right? So that's, that's kind of nice. But what you mentioned that you had a a bad childhood and I, or not a bad childhood, but a, really? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think for the record, I think, and my therapist hates this take from me, but I think like being born at all is pretty traumatic, right? Like you go from like a very safe, like warm place into a very bright and loud world. Yeah. Like, you, as Spanked a baby, on the ass. Exactly. You don't Jeez. have any tools to like. Did you have to shake me? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and no, especially as a, a child, like you have no agency, you have no words to describe how you're feeling, you have no tools. Mm-hmm. And that like alone is traumatic, even if you have the best set of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, do you incorporate, I, and you don't have to tell me like the, the deets of, uh, you know, maybe someday when we're, uh, the <laughs> second we're interview, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And when, when I have that Joe Rogan podcast that goes yes. four hours long, <laughs> we can go into all of that. Cause there's so much to talk about. You're fascinating. Oh, thank you. Um, but do you incorporate that background into your comedy? Um, do you think that it makes the kind of fills up that that space with the interest, maybe that's what makes you interesting. I think it definitely gives me a certain bent on life. Like it gives me a very specific point of view and also definitely affects both negatively and positively the way that I am in like my personal relationships. Um, And it definitely does affect my sense of humor, but something I've had to learn is that like, when you're speaking about that stuff on, so I don't really go into my childhood on stage, but I go into, I had a year that I joke about where my grandfather died and then my friend died and then my dad died mm. all in that one year. Mm. And dealing with that was really tough. And I was doing a lot of comedy about it. And sometimes it would go really well because I would have, you know, maybe older audiences who knew what grief was like, because you know, the older you get, the more friends you have die. So yeah. they sort of knew what I meant. And then <clears> I would do colleges and kids would be silent, silent. They would Mm. feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. And they would think it would be rude to laugh, you know? Yes. And they were, like, worried about me. And so, you know, that happened maybe three or four years ago now. And in that time, the real learning curve was, like, okay, how do I make this funny and not sad and something that everybody can touch on and it doesn't have to make them, like, spiral out about whatever shit they're dealing with? Yeah. Yeah. That really takes a lot of... uh a lot of road test mit- yes, to, you know, there was a lot of finagling. Y- yeah. Of you have to, you have to find that yeah. very, very delicate very line. line for sure. And Oof. then once you get to know the audience and you can sort of t- feel out which ones they are, you know, and if they're like really with you, you can go all the way and you can be like, okay, let's get into it. Let's really like talk about it. And, and then, then it's fun and then it's when fun. you know that they're exactly, with you. Exactly. It's fun. But it's also something I really had to learn was like, it's sort of rude to spring that stuff on people when they're just having to 
a nice night out. When they're just, yeah. Yeah, and they're trying drinking to get away from their own and, lives. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But there is a way to do it where it's There's just where, it. where it's the formula that you've created and the, <laughs> and the, the punch is just so it's fucking just funny, you know? No, totally. <laughs> they, but, you know, but but it's it's a lot of road That's tests. That's sort of the work of it all. It is, and it's, it, it's interesting. Last night I performed in front of a really young room. I wasn't expecting them to be as young as they were, and I talk about I, my new set is about my breakup. The breakup's been, it's, it's been almost a year I'm over it I mean I was talking his Instagram last night but other than that no no I really am over it but but it's like you know and I've I'm, I've made it funny and I have these punches and I feel really really comfortable with the set but they were pretty they were with me yeah. they were really really attentive but it was it was just tepid it was tepid yes yeah. and then they don't want to like celebrate I think especially like you know, the newer generation, they don't want to celebrate your pain, which They're, I think is a good instinct. It is. The Gen Zs, but. they're sensitive. <laughs> they're sensitive and they want to kind of, yeah, you know, ultimately be... Ultimately, it's a good instinct, but it makes comedy hard because you have to assure them that you're okay. They, exactly. Yeah. So afterwards, this little Gen Z walks up to me and says, I just want you to know that breakups are great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. You know, oh I God. didn't know what to say. Like, I, like I could tell she she was exactly she was just trying to be so encouraging. This little twenty-one-year-old, you know, God, she didn't have, you, so hard when like, when I had you know? my breakup, and I'm thinking, okay, you tell You're me all school. about your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys broke up because you went to college. Oh That's my insane. goodness. It was so sweet. That's it was really, so that's so really sweet. But sweet. That's a really. But isn't so that sweet. apropos though yes. to what you're talking about? I, it, it's exactly. That's so, exactly what I was dealing with. Oh my goodness! So that's uh, so. Where um, where are some of your favorite places to perform? Well, I love LA, and sort of that's a hot take. But I do love Los Angeles, and I was very worried that the pandemic would completely change the performance landscape mm -hmm. and it has in a way but a lot of places, a little bit a little bit but a lot of places have managed to stay mm -hmm. which cannot be said about other places like boston oh, okay yeah so i you know i'm so thankful what we do have here i think there are a lot of great alt scenes there's so many new very like alternative comedy focused theaters like the elysian and the yard these are all east side spots or the lyric hyperion which was closed yeah. for a while and is mm -hmm. back now mm -hmm. um and then obviously like i love doing the big three i love an improv i love a mm -hmm. laugh factory i love mm -hmm. a comedy store i think that though if you are like getting ready to go on the road you need to be hitting those spots yeah how did the show come about how did you get in this room Funnelingus or uh, oh, robot chicken. Robot chicken. Oh, well, yeah. well. Th so Funnelingus came first. Um, the the chicken or the egg. The or the egg. <laughs> um, they, they were simultaneous. Okay. So I dropped out of college because I well, it was a whole slew of things, uh, including the fact that I didn't have very much more money. So I dropped out with like a class ish left, uh, and I was offered a job at Robot Chicken. I had submitted, you know, a sample there. And gotten read by the room and, you know, got an interview. Um, and then I got hired. <laughs> wow. So you, what did you have under your belt at that point? At that point, I had been doing stand-up for may maybe, let's see, I've been doing it for, 
yes, maybe like four ish years. And they had, they had all seen me do stand up, and I okay. had, you know garnered a little attention on Twitter. Yeah. Was this the controversy or no? no? Okay, no. we're gonna go. We're gonna go into that in a oh, minute. Maybe, <laughs> we maybe, we, maybe we won't. I had no idea about that until last night. Oh, because you googled me. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, That's exactly what I want to know. Um, I, I mean, yeah, but I exactly. Who gives a shit? But well, but you know, it was anyway. Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you had so you had a, a presence on Twitter. You were writing jokes on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, d- exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm, that. And mm-hmm. uh, they found me through there. Well, I. They had seen me do stand up in Austin when I was like nineteen ish, and who's they? Uh, like Matt and Keith at uh, Adult Swim. Okay, and they all followed me on Twitter and sort of kept tabs on me. And then um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I reached out like, "Hey, I just moved to LA, like, whatever." Sort of just touching and touching base on the connection. Um, how did how did you reach out for people who want to know about getting into on rooms? Twitter, which is not like I actually, think it's I different think now. It's different now. I think it yeah. is okay. It is okay, and especially if you are sort of I think utilizing your mutuals with like you know I would say with substance, with not substance, just save 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 your favors, save your yeah, favors. Wait, yeah. wait for mm-hmm. sure. Um, build, and I also think like it's not networking; it's making friends. Like you really are making friends, you're finding like-minded people. Um, if you're approaching it from just like, oh, I want you to read my scripts, mm-mm. Like, yeah. that's not really how it's going to You have happen. to have some sort of rapport. Yeah, definitely have a rapport. Be interested in what they're doing, et mm-hmm. cetera. Have um, it be organic. Be organic. Not me, yeah. me, me, me. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is why I like to pitch it to people is like, you really are just making friends. And, you know, whatever. So I sent them, I had a broad city spec at the time. The show was pretty new still dating me, aging me. Wow. But that was such a great show. Such a great show. So funny. Yeah. So I had a broad city spec that I submitted and they read it and I got an interview and then I got staffed on that, you know, a, the season after that, my first season. And then luckily they kept asking me back. And when you say you submitted the spec script, who do you, where do you submit that? I submitted, I was friends with Matt who runs the show. He okay. was like my mutual on Twitter and we okay. been, whatever, we were friends. So it was organic, even the submitting of the spec yes, script was organic. Definitely. I mean, with- I did have to be like, hey, I'm moving to Los Angeles, like in not in so many words, but I was like, what's up? And he was like, oh, well, we are hiring right now you know, if you want to pull something together to submit. And like, I think he was looking for a packet, but I didn't know what a packet was at that point. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say like get a packet. So I just sent the the one sample that I had at that time, which yeah. was a spec script. And luckily it was funny enough that they were like, that's okay. What is a packet? A packet is like um, essentially sort of a, an array, a portfolio or an array of different samples that mimics typically the sketches that that show has so it's oh, like I see. late night shows have packets where mm-hmm. they'll have you do like a monologue and then some desk segments or whatever or other packets for other shows will be like submit eight sketches uh and like write in our cast members or something like that i see yeah. i see now do you have uh, a manager or agent guiding you through this um at, at the time I, and- no i didn't have a manager it took me a long time to get it wrapped it took me a long time to get wrapped like i was writing on robot for maybe three years before i got a manager i'm shocked to hear that i think that happens a lot i know really yeah, i know quite a few people who have been staffed through their own networks or blind submissions mm-hmm. uh who are now like great how do i find a manager Wow, um, because I would think that they would be kind of stalking you a little bit because you're well, already you working. Making a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you know, Robot Chicken Animation, this is not a secret, but there's not a lot of money there. So, I really think, like, specifically agents aren't interested in you until you're bringing in some real money. 
What's real? Okay. So that's interesting to me because, you know, real, real money can be subjective. It can be subjective, but I don't think this is like... So major network television yes. money or, I mean, versus... Like HBO show money maybe right, versus right. like, you know, a small animation room. Even okay. live action money versus animation money is very different. And have you worked on live shows no, yet? No, really, that's my next... I'd really love to. I um, <laughs> would really love to. That's my all of my samples are live action. Well, not all of them, but most of them are live action. Um, and even though I love animation and I hope to work in animation forever, I would love to move into live action. Um, do you? So, how often do you work in that room? Gosh, I mean, it's like like once a year, basically. Oh, I'll be okay. Contracted for whatever how many cycles they need but because it takes so long to animate there's a huge time off in that time it's really reminding me of an actor you know recurring very much yeah 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 like a recurring actor which is why stand-up is so important because it's like specifically as managers go it's like that's where they can see you Mm -hmm. because it's like i had no you know i had no connections moving here my mom is a bookkeeper and my dad was a mechanic so i didn't know anything and emerson helped but as far it, it helped a little bit what really helped was like being able to tell people that I went to Emerson and they'd be like, oh, I went to Emerson too. And then we'd have something to talk about. But doing standup is a way that people can see you out where you don't need to know an email address. You don't have to be an intern somewhere. You don't have to like pay for a UCB class. You can just mm. go and get on stage. And if mm. you're funny, people will book you and the managers will start coming. Yeah. And that's how you'll get noticed. Yeah. It's interesting. I always said, you know, you go to college, not for the education, but for the contacts. You really do. You know, you really, <laughs> you really do. And right. Emerson is. I, I wish that I had, because I was so laser focused on stand up at that point and TV writing that I really didn't I wish I had taken more editing classes or like now I really think I would like to be you know do directing at some point and I wish I had taken mm. a directing class at Emerson mm. but you don't know what you don't know so. you know and and I would imagine with your background you could easily shadow someone especially with the demand of female directors I hope so I mean that's what I really hope I've done some voice directing but you know ultimately I love stand-up, but I do want to be writing and directing TV shows. At okay, point. okay, excellent. That's great. So that's kind of the 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 big goal. Yeah, yeah, the lifelong. Goal. And and in terms of uh, stand-up, do you see yourself just doing that ongoing? Well, I'd love or... to like tour when I'm not. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't see myself as like blowing up, <laughs> like you know, being a Joe Rogan. But I'd love to have a fan base that can support a tour when I'm not writing something. Okay. Yeah. See, that's so interesting. I can't. I I perform every night, and I, I perform every night too. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but that's because, and I don't know if that would change if I were to get my own. Well, definitely, if I were to like be show running a room, I would not be doing stand up that much. But right. That would be a real deviation in my life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think about that. Like how, you know, is is this am I just gonna be performing every night for the rest of my life? Like how think, okay, how is this where where is that? this gonna go? You know, does it but, need to go anywhere? Uh yeah. Yeah, you think? <laughs> I would like it. Absolutely. I'm I mean to, like, I have goals within yeah, within course. this, you of know, of, of I mean I do too. You know, I'd love to get JFL. I'd love to do some of those big benchmark things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But something I specifically over the pandemic I got into a lot of other kind of work that was not comedy related and I had to like really think about like how likely is it that I will capital M make it and be able to support myself and like is that the only thing I get from comedy is like achieving that and the answer was no I've decided that like if my life is maybe teaching comedy classes and going to open mics I will Mm. still be doing comedy right right um and that's subjective too like what is making it you know um 
because you know it, it, certain there there are certain people with you know that that think I've made it already. I mean, you know, in our and people think we've made it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. My my hometown is pretty hard on me. Okay. <laughs> but I do think. I mean, I think for most people, you get out, you move to LA, you get one job. That if I were to talk to teenage me. She would be like, you've made it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I would too. Exactly. But I mean, now adult me would be like, babe, you can't pay your bills. <laughs> that's not what it's all about. That's not what it's all about. That's not what it's all that's about. What? It's all what? About. They'll get the rent check when they get it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or it's also, it's like, you know, if I have worked so many day jobs, I've worked so many service industry jobs, I have scrubbed so many toilets and it's like. I, I really like that about you. I, <laughs> we, we had that in common. I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I believe just, in physical work. Exactly. I'll do what I'll have to do. Exactly. I'm okay. scrappy. That's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong or bad about that. In fact, no, those, if anything, it, the contrary. You, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like if I'm working those kinds of jobs to allow for my comedy lifestyle, again, that's a life that I'm okay with and I think is honorable. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think that that means that I didn't make it or do it. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> uh, you don't. You don't want to talk about the controversy, or you do? I mean, because it, it's sort of. I mean, we can't. It's, we it's can. here near there. I I saw the jokes. Uh, so oh, it, I mean, it, obviously, it, let me say this: I was senior in high school. Not appropriate. Not funny. Ultimately, I think you were a senior in high school, and that should be the end of it. Period. I mean, right, Come but on. I will say, and I believe this. I think that like all white people have a serious history with racism to be dealt with. And that applies to me and you. That applies to all of us. And I think this happened specifically because I am so on the left in my personal life, in mm -hmm. my actions. Like, mm -hmm. I can be sort of a loud mouth. And I think that this was, like, the right really loving that they sort of, like, got to prove, you know, that we're all like that. And that's why, you know, you know, you should be able to say whatever you want. And it's like, no, that is wrong, too. Like, even if I did it, it's still wrong. It's wrong for all of us. I was just really kind of surprised that someone took the time and don't take this the wrong way. But you're not a Joe Rogan. You're not yeah, a exactly. Tiffany Hedy. So exactly. why? Why did they were they like Ellery Smith? Yeah, her. Let's go see what she tweeted when she was in high school. Who it's, does that? But it's, it is what? because it's it's a it's a culture war issue. It's, it was something that they could, like, grab and lay on to. They just had to. I mean, it was so ridiculous. It was a lot, and my phone number was leaked, and I got dick pics for not kidding eight months afterwards. Oh. For they started hard, isn't, and they got soft. Isn't and I that was fun? Like, Are you guys losing it for me? I got <laughs> <But, laughs> <laughs> soft dick pic. That's so, so much, much worse. So That's much so worse. So I never, oh, my so God. Much worse. Yeah. It's so much worse. Yeah, but I mean, and it's also... You know. I would say you're really made then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's whatever. And I got to take my year and like, you know, I've been running a soup kitchen in K-Town for the last two years and somebody called and told them. And I was like, mm. guys. <laughs> and here you are. Like, that's all humanitarian. Like what, you know, how the the gross I mean, irony. I didn't care, but they were like, why are we getting dragged into this? I, yeah. Well, so basically this happened about a year ago. Yeah, more or less. And um, you had been, uh, you know, since writing those tweets, you became, you know, a writer and a, an accomplished stand-up in town. And so someone, um, and you do have cred. I didn't mean to, but I was just kind of surprised. No, no, I would think, I it, you know, like, they're in looking. In the scheme of things, I am sort of a nobody still. No. Not I'm nobody, but you know what I mean. Like I don't. I'm not, I do know what you mean. I'm not like usually like they'd go after a Kevin Hart or yeah, someone yeah. with where they but could really create a stir. Like, sure, somebody who mm -hmm. has something to lose, I guess. But 
I mean, also, I do think something else that plays into it is we have been locked inside for two years and people are like feral. It's people just need something to do. Like there's like a, a lack of true entertainment that it's like they got really bored, huh? That happens to the best of us. It, I mean, I, I I forgive them. I forgive myself. Y- yes. To do yes. Jeez. I mean, I, I'm glad that that is behind you. But at the same time, you kind of got some good controversy from it as well. Oh, not. I don't uh, think so. There were. Oh, I thought that there were some pretty cool comics that came to your rescue that oh, maybe yeah, you that, would not that have was been. True. That was true. That was true. I mean, for me, it was like just so fucking embarrassing and like probably. But the, the other thing is, is like. Thank God I had such a hard childhood because that week I was like, worse has happened to me. <laughs> well, it just goes to show, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're tough and you're scrappy, as you were saying before, and you've been through a lot. And But it just it just goes to show the power of four, 140 characters or less. Oh, my God. For right? Real, for real. I mean, for real. my and God. it really made me evaluate my... Social media presence at large, because people sent me my address. So I was like, okay, we're going to do a scrub. We're yeah. Gonna put, I, people sent me pictures of my mom. It was like... Wow. Because I, they so went this through, was frightening. It it was and it wasn't. I'm not going to be like, oh, I felt so scared. Poor me. I said something racist. Like, you know, it's fine. Yeah. I live a very safe life. My role in the world is mm-hmm, absolutely... Mm-hmm. I'm a white woman. Yep. Things are fine for me. And even yep, at the worst... We have it a lot better. So easy. We could Comparatively. Be- so in it's Ukraine like, right now. Ex- I mean, yeah. we could, it, you know. We had to put everything in perspective. And, exactly. And, and, I'm, I'm not and be, I understand people. I'm not going like, oh, no, poor me. Right. Uh, but it did make me be like, okay, I need to scrub the internet of, like, my actual information for sure. Mm. And it was the first time I was like, maybe I shouldn't be using my full government name on the internet. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I just recently did a little adjustment to mine. Um, does it make you kind of reassess and think more about what you tweet? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, for and sure. is that kind of a pain in the ass? No. I mean, okay. Because I, well, even I jokes. I haven't been on Twitter in the last year. Oh, I really? I show account, but I took a long break from like real. T- and I have, I have had so many people be like, you shouldn't have gotten off, but it's like, it's just, well, I don't it's know. changed a lot. Firstly. Yeah. It's, it's not what it was. It's not what it was. It's I'm noticing a lot of comics no longer write jokes on Twitter. I mean, I think that we should. I think that I still read Twitter every day. I think it's lovely. But I think as far as like my role in it goes, I was just taking up a lot of air and I don't think I needed to be. I bet people are jonesing for you. People do ask me to come back. Um, but th- I think the, the real issue is that a lot of. <laughs> so it was very much sort of like a the groups of people that came after me are very sort of like skilled in the online mob space and have turned my post notifications on. So that at any time, I know that if I were to go back to Twitter, they would all get a notification as soon as I were to post. Mm-hmm. And then it would sort of reignite the whole debate. Uh, um, so tell me more about the soup. Ki- what What is it? You're you're doing yes, a... Um, I run a soup kitchen. Uh, you run a soup kitchen. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's just... That's a really big statement. And you've been running a soup kitchen for two years? Yeah, we started pretty much right when the pandemic started. It, it'll be two years this coming March. Badass. It, it, yeah. I and like who, it who are you with? You have a partner? Um, no, it's just me. And I work, you know, from a church. They let us use their space um, in K-Town. And I have wonderful affiliates. I'm not religious um, and down with churches, but I have a wonderful relationship with them. With them. Okay. And um, they have been very supportive to me. And I've mostly staffed it, honestly, with unemployed comedians who are just volunteering their time. Um, and so... Yeah, the first year of the pandemic, it was very much a way f- 
that we could all see our friends and not feel bad about hanging out because we were doing good. And now, you know, I think it's going to be a staple of the rest of my life. It's something I do every week. I love it. Every week. Yeah, every Tuesday, come every, out. Every serve, Tuesday, soup kitchen in yeah, K-Town. K-Town, we serve hot food, cold food. We do hygiene. We uh, run a diaper bank. We do groceries. We uh, have helped people get vaccines. We've helped people get tax refunds. We've helped people get housing. Um, come on out. We do it all. And how is there a, a link where they can make a donation? You you can donate to St. James um, in, in L.A. So I think it's... The website is stjla.org, and then you're going to do slash give, and you can specify for soup kitchen or showers. Or I, uh, people ask me often about donations, and we lovely get a budget through the church, um, and I buy a lot of this stuff. And so mostly I tell people to find local on-the-ground organizations in their neighborhoods to donate to. Mm-hmm. Some great ones in L.A. People who are doing awesome work are Streetwatch L.A., Solidarity and Snacks, and Water Drop L.A. Water Drop L.A. specifically brings clean water uh, and hygiene supplies to Skid Row, and they do really great work. That's fantastic. When you say that uh, comics are, are volunteering their time, what does that entail? It means they come out on Tuesdays and they help us make food. They package up meals. They talk to, you know, guests. They clean. They do whatever it, it needs, whatever we need. They're great. Well, well I'd like to volunteer a Tuesday yeah, come, come. And, and help sincerely, out. We're there, rain or shine, every, every Tuesday. It'd really be great. I would, I would love to. it's a great networking opportunity. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, but I, I really would, would like yeah, to no, pitch in I'll, and help, I'll, not, not I'll networking. I'll put your email on our, um, our I'm blast. just going to wear my sunglasses and a mask. People in no, your <laughs> And also sometimes people, we had a couple get together there, and then they broke up. And they oh, now, now I'm going to be there for sure. But it's a good, I do pitch it this way. It's a good way to meet people with similar values. And then I can tell the Gen Z to not worry about me. I met some nice man at the soup kitchen. (laughs) That is really, really amazing. That's, uh, I love that you were productive during the pandemic. I felt so like, I was like spiraling out. I think we all were. I was just like, and it it affected my ability to do comedy because I was like, the world is falling apart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised we're even here right now. I had no idea what tomorrow would bring. No one did. Right. It's crazy. Shit is still crazy, but (laughs) we're just living with it. That's the difference. We're not, you know, in our bunker. Yeah, exactly. And pacing and crying and throwing up. Yeah. Unless you're me. <laughs> so um, where can our people see you? And do you have any shows coming up that yeah. you want to plug? So I run a, an all-female and non-binary show here in Los Angeles called Funnelingus. Uh, we are the first Sunday of every month. And we're back this Sunday, the first Sunday of March, Sunday the 6th. Come on out. Um, and I should be better about posting my dates because I do a lot of shows. But you know what? I'm a pothead. I'm just not going to get around to it. So, <laughs> if, you, if you follow me on Instagram at Ellery underscore Smith, I pretty much post okay. what shows I'm doing that week. Okay, great. And and watch Robot Chicken because yeah, you're still on the show. You're, right yeah, excellent, right excellent. Um, and find me on Instagram and ping me if you're interested in the soup kitchen. We always need volunteers. Okay. And yeah. So that's uh, your socials are? Just Ellery underscore Smith. Ellery yeah. underscore Smith on all handles? Uh, just on Instagram. On, okay. And then on TikTok, I'm not really doing anything, so don't okay. pay attention Okay, okay, I'm the same way. <laughs> um, well, I'm happy that we had this time to get to know by. each other. And what's really cool is um, I also had, a, uh, I have a monthly show, and the the first show of, uh, I, I, I've just been, I, I have a monthly show at Hollywood Improv, and I was on Wednesdays, now I'm on Sundays, 
this is the first Sunday show on the 6th, so I can't come to your show. But oh, moving no. forward, I'm the second Sunday oh, of every month. We would love to have you on. So, and I would love to have you on. Yes, so why don't we do alternate it. that absolutely. and make that, that happen? Yes, okay, absolutely. I would, we would love, love to have you on. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yay. It'll be a lot of isn't fun. This, isn't podcasting fun? It is fun. Well, thank you so much for being on well, Ellery Smith. Me. And I'm, also, I'm like not done talking to you. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll keep going. Let's uh, we're we're drinking <laughs> we're drinking a great bottle of wine, and we're gonna finish it. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Bye guys.